We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a Heat Beat Podcast after a win. It's been a while. I'm your host, John Carlo Navas. And with me today, from Sports Illustrated, Rohad Nancardi. How are you, sir? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me back on the show. It's been a while. As you know, I'm now, I wouldn't say exclusively locked on, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we're getting there. So you know, I'll have to see how this goes today. I'll have I, to see how this goes. Today. I feel like you're the lo- So for those uh, peek behind the curtain here, I've, tr- Ro- I've messaged Ro the last <laughs> like two seasons, really. Yeah. And I think every time I'd be like, hey, man, what's up? And it's never after a piece you write. It's always a week before of a piece that I don't know is coming out. And I'm like, hey, Ro, what's up, man? Hope all is good. Was wondering if you could hop on the show, you know, this week or next. And, oh, sorry, you know, I'm, I'm doing, you know, uh, they asked me at Locked On. I was like, fucking Wes and David, bro. Dude, I think, I don't know if the, Wes has got a sixth sense. But, yes, on multiple occasions, he's texted me right before you. For what it's worth, five reasons never asked me. So, you know, Typical. they're dead to me. Typical. Um, you know, I supported Ethan throughout all of his newspaper career, you know, but no love being shown back. So. I guess I guess he's I'm mad you have a paywall. He's mad that SI has a paywall. <laughs> I love you, Ethan. Shout out to Five Reasons. Shout out to all our friends locked on and all the good folks doing heat content because it's uh listen, it's a grind, bro. You know you've been in you've been in the grind. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. No, I'm glad that there's so many good Miami Heat podcast options and then also whatever those basement guys are doing. I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah, you know, I was yeah. I was poking fun at them saying the Dolphins should trade Tua and, and Waddle. I saw yeah. that. Oh, don't get me started on the Dolphins. They were the only thing keeping me afloat during the heat season, and Listen, now uh, they're teetering. Not that a Bills win can't fix on the road, so hopefully Dolphins True. Nation can, uh, can have some positivity. Miami, however, does have, I don't know whether they call it positivity or not. They go into Indiana – an, a team that has overperformed, but by the numbers, some of it looked a little like fool's goldie. They mm-hmm. go in and, you know, Tiff, Siobhan, and I talked last night. It looked like it was going to be like a business, you know, like a business win 
which is what you expect out of teams with aspirations such as theirs. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, the wheels of the offense fall off. They have some slip-ups in the second quarter on defense. And despite you know forcing Indiana to only score 82 points, it was a five-point game, and they barely won. Tyler Hero turns the ball over at the end. Kyle gives a bad pass. Jimmy misses two free throws. There, it's pandemonium. A bunch of stuff happens. They lost the lead at some point, a 19-point lead. I want to start here because I want to get to where Jimmy's comments after the game went. But, mm-hmm. bro, I didn't even feel like that was a win, man. We got on here and we're like, I guess, like. <laughs> I mean, it, it almost reminded me of the Memphis game in terms of the first quarter and a half. You're like, okay, they're figuring it out. They're getting it. They are, uh, you know, that Memphis game, they run out to a big lead, right? Um, they, they go on this huge run in the first quarter and then the wheels kind of come off and this game it felt like the first you know half or first quarter at least okay they're gonna get on a run here like you said a business win they beat this team by 15 no drama and instead it's it's kind of a grinded out i i'm with you in the sense that it in terms of their long-term goals it wasn't a deeply satisfying win at the same time this is not a team that can you know stick its nose up at beating a team that's above them in the standings this is not a team that can say, oh, the Pacers are overachieving and we're better than them. We're at the point in the season now where the Heat need all the wins they can get, and there's there are no more bad wins for this team. They're that desperate. You say that, and I hear you, and also they're better than that. And I know that their <laughs> record stinks. And listen, I don't know how, but with a zone and a bunch of guys missing time, they're a top 10 defense. Spo does it again. I'm, everybody's talking on the timeline. Spo's worst season, maybe so. And yet, in Spo's worst season, shits out a top ten defense. I can't believe it. They uh, they hold Indy to you know really a bus- it, it really wrote it was uh it felt like a college game. Yeah, like dumbest- it, it felt like a like a you know early two thousands Eastern Conference game <laughs> in all of the worst ways. It's like these teams can't shoot. Um, they're just, yeah, they're, they're literally fighting each other. It was, it was ugly. It was absolutely ugly. Some, cause Tiff kept saying like, this was the nineties and somebody in my chat said, man, if this is what basketball looked like in the nineties, I'm glad I didn't watch it. Like, <laughs> so yes, the nineties gets a lot of love for having some truly ugly games mixed in all the Michael Jordan-ness of it all. You know, he was really the shining star and what was a, a, a little turd, but uh, uh, regardless, Butler said something interesting today, uh, Ro. So, like, you know, we, we kind of got, got through that game real quick and everything. And I, you know, we, you know, we, we bashed the offense last night. And, you know, I think the defense, while top 10 isn't perfect, but Jimmy said something interesting. Jimmy was saying that, no, that the offense isn't a problem. Right, that 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 really it, we have to shore up our defense already, and I thought those comments were, I feel a little misplaced. I think a little misguided, maybe kind of warped by his perception of like what what he does as a player. Uh, the the exact quote, and this is uh, per Brady Hawk uh, from Five Reasons. I've I've never said, and I don't think that anyone will ever tell you that offense is our problem. We lose track of what we have to do on the defensive end at times, which is why we lose so many games. But when we lock in and when we guard, we know we're going to score. <laughs> I feel like 
I feel like that's a bit misplaced, bro. I think with everything that we've seen the last couple of years, offense has been their problem. That's an interesting quote. I think the way I took it was this is a team that's always going to be defense first. They have to capitalize on their defense to turn it into offense, right? They're not going to score in the half court. They're not going to score when they have to take the ball out from under the basket. But if they can force turnovers, if they can get stops, they can score enough to win. You know, I think the way he looks at it is you look at some of the losses that Jimmy's been in, whether it was that Boston game, they couldn't defend. The Spurs game, they could not defend. Um, I think he's, you know, obviously he didn't play in the Pistons game, but the Pistons game, they could not defend. And I think the way the way I interpreted it, at least, and I, I could be wrong, I'm not going to pretend like I'm reading Jimmy's mind here, but the way I interpreted it was if our defense is is where it needs to be, we'll win enough games. And I know that they are in the top 10, but like you mentioned, it's been the zone that junked it up in those Washington games. And yesterday, I think they actually played a fantastic game defensively, particularly, I'm not the first person to say this, Bam on Tyrese Halliburton, which it didn't even make any sense that the Pacers continue to quote-unquote attack that matchup. It was strange on their part. But I think the way at least I took that quote to be was, We'll score enough, but we need to make sure we're defending at a high level consistently because I think even though they're eighth, like they jumped from like 13th to eighth after this Pacers game. Yeah. Like they, they made such a big jump because of this one game, but they were eighth like a week re- ago as well, though. Like, right. They, they kind of oscillate. Yes. yes. And, and I think that's what it is, is they're not defending consistently. And I think especially what they're used to, they're not defending consistently playing man. And I think that is. That is at least the way, again, I'm taking this Jimmy quote to mean is we we can't – we're not able to apply our same defensive principles as last year, and, and I don't think they're going to be successful until they can do that at full strength. So, obviously, uh, the, the big kind of changes – I don't. I'm not even going to say P.J. Tucker specifically, but the fact that they just don't have a power forward and they're playing these really, really small lineups, and while, like, Caleb Martin is a guy that is kind of – thrown into being a, a pseudo four. He defense is listen, their defense is 108 when he's on and 119 when he's off. And every lineup with Caleb Martin at the four, it's it, the defense is good, right? So you look at all the lineup data and and Nikaias pointed this out too. It's like, well, their offense, he are a top three they have top three offensive rate when Jimmy's on the floor. They defended a bottom three rate when he's on when uh, when he's on the floor. He's wrong when you zoom out here to our top ten defense and a pitiful offense. But this this assessment is right when he's on the floor. So mm-hmm. for me, it's always been their bench, their second unit. They have mm-hmm. all their guys have regressed, and we're gonna get into kind of what their offense is actually mm-hmm. doing. But when he says that defensively, I absolutely agree with you. Because when they look that way, it does get away from them quicker than when their offense gets away from them. I don't know the solution in-house, Roe, because Deadman is either okay and playable or, you know, obviously he has the injuries that's going on and it looks pretty tough. They don't have enough wings. They don't have enough bigs. Gabe, who was a huge part of their defense, uh, especially as a point-of-attack guy, he's been out of sorts even without the knee injury. I I just I kind of look at them and be like, well, well, either something something has to give, you know what I mean? Like these these starters can't be playing these huge minutes because the, the bench can't survive. Yeah, it, it's tough, especially the lack of wings. And we talk about it. They're not switching as much as they used to. And part of that is in, because they don't want Bam to switch. Teams have gotten smart about 
you know, finding ways to get Bam, you know, rendering him less effective on defense because of the switching. So that's part of it. But think about a team. I know people are going to be upset. A team like Boston that switches. Marcus Smart is big. He's bigger than Kyle Lowry. Derek White um, is big. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are just bigger than any of the wings that he'd have. Uh, and that's before you get to someone like Al Horford, who is a capable switcher, Grant Williams, Rob Williams, even when he gets healthy. Like those, the teams that switch typically, you want them to have some size. And I think the Heat can run into issues, even when, as you mentioned, Caleb Martin, I think if you told, sat any Heat fan down before the season and said, Hey, Caleb Martin, the team's going to have this defensive rating when he's on the floor, he's going to shoot, I think, what is he at? Still 40% from three. Um, you'd be like, this is incredible. Like, you know, at the same time, like their starting lineup has a worse net rating than the one with PJ Tucker and Duncan Robinson did last year. And that one, I believe had a sub 100 defensive rating, It did, um, which is insane, remarkable. And you, you remember they had to go away from that lineup because it was starting to flounder late in the season. But, you know, that's, I think the d- defense they're kind of used to. So even though, relative to the rest of the league they're defending well they're not defending as well as they did relative to last season and i think that's an issue and you do see it at times where kyle is switched onto a bigger player and it's an easy two points or caleb gets stuck on someone like miles turner um and i know you know the rebounding rate and all these things like they're holding steady but they're when it doesn't work it's just so glaring it's just so hard to ignore when it's not working that again even if relative to the rest of the league it looks fine i i don't think it's uh i can i'm sure the players can sense some drop off compared to last year for me row it's it's really the helping right because i think mm-hmm. on ball they're about as what they were last year and they kind mm-hmm. of they play the same right they 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 switch they you know i don't think they're the best at containing dribble penetration and they mm-hmm. i don't think they ever have been but they're mm-hmm. really good at helping from the corners, from the weaker mm-hmm. strong side or, or, or Jimmy at the nail or whatever. And now that help man is not P.J. Tucker, who, yeah, you know, and I, I heard Zach Lowe say this, and I thought it was a great point that P.J. had played a lot of small ball five in Houston. He knows what to do to kind of protect the rim in those scenarios. And while Miami doesn't give up a ton of shots at the rim, even though the percentage is high, that's kind of the, the makeup of a Spo team. The difference mm-hmm. is that, like teams are killing them from the corners. They're allowing the most corner threes in the league and they're the teams are killing Mm -hmm. them out there in terms of percentage and they're not i don't they're not getting out quick enough they're not getting out forceful enough and this the the rate at the rim the the percentage is just too high when they get there even though it's so limited right and just to give you an example i'm glad that you brought up pj tucker because i know he's kind of been this symbol for everything that's gone wrong this season and people look at him in philly and they're like oh he doesn't even shoot why are people upset well two things first of all the way the Heat used Tucker offensively last year, I don't think any team in the last four or five years has used him like that. Um, a screener, roller, uh, playmaker at the elbow. PJ the Pusher. Floater. Yeah, uh, he was doing a fantastic job. But my old colleague, Michael Pino, wrote a story about Spo in the playoffs. And the opening of that story, he tells a story where PJ Tucker was like, I couldn't believe my first practice, Spo told me to cheat off the strong side corner. You know, your whole basketball life you're taught not to you know cheat off a shooter in that corner it takes a special defender like pj tucker to be able to to help and recover um and i'm not saying again that 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 is the number one fix to their three-point shooting woes but you lose an element of that and when you lose him and 
Now Caleb is elevated to a role. Now the guy behind Caleb, you know, they're losing elements of that. And, and I think compounding that problem, and I'm sure we'll get into it is offensively, the guys who were shooting really well last year, especially Struess, it, it just makes no sense. The shooting regression, even Tyler, whose three point shooting percentage is rebounded. He was under 30% on catch and shoot threes. I, I believe he still is. He was at 28% like a week which ago. Is, which is, which makes no sense. You know what he was shooting as pull-ups. a pull-up shooter? Like, I think it was close to 40%, 42% right? as a pull-up, yeah. which kind of would tell me ball wants ball in hand. Yeah. It, it just makes no sense, frankly. Um, so I, seeing those issues compound, um, it's been a huge difference in both their offense and defense this year. Their free throw rate's not high enough either, and I think when you're kind of a team that's maybe a little bit lacking in both, I think, Ro, what I've been saying is their defense lacks bite this year. They, mm-hmm. There is, and I think in general, they just don't have an urgency when they play. You know, last year their defense was very physical. They don't, they're like one of the least foully teams in the league. Which is surprising. That's not a Spo thing. And it's the yeah. physicality that they've lost. It's the bite. I know that they force a turn on turnovers, which is probably one of the reasons why their defense is, is a lot better than maybe it feels because Jimmy, I think, is a fucking shark this year. Yeah. Uh, and just in general, they've been really good at kind of, you know, they're great in, uh, they're great in like emergency situations. That they're still really good at. When shit's crazy, they'll go and they'll force a turnover more times than not. But they don't get enough free throws to kind of help set their defense. Their their help is just off. And then I think guys like I, Bro Duncan's defense, whenever he plays, I don't know how it's gotten worse. That's 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 shocking. It looks he was never like that. I mean, he played in that Lakers series. He played in the the Celtics series, uh, in the bubble leading up to the finals, and against it's the Bucks. Also, yeah, and you there's also a little bit of a cascade effect. Like I think to, back to a three, Jimmy gave up last night. I don't remember if it was Nemhard in the corner, who was in the corner, but you know, it feels like the help also comes earlier for this team. It comes more often for this team because I think there's a little bit less trust in some of the one-on-one defense. Or you know, Kyle is maybe a step back in terms of a low-by percentage. You have Hero, where even if Hero is playing good defense, I think there's an instinct to help a little bit more than you would if it were someone else, and that hurts them at times. It The Duncan thing is just – I don't get it. it. And it's one thing if his defense has gotten worse. You know, maybe it has, maybe it hasn't, but what is he at, like 32% from three? It just makes – and I and maybe he needs a rhythm, but – it makes no sense. We mentioned the starting lineup last year was so good. It was an elite lineup. I, I didn't feel bad. His story is so great, but I, the regression has been shocking. And it's not just him. Struess is shooting. Gabe's shooting. It, it, how how can you account for that? They're how can you all predict shooting for that? worse? Every single shooter. I guess Caleb is back up to forty two, which he was last year. Every single shooter is shooting worse from three than they did last. Every single one. And how do you survive that? And if we're honest, they don't have like an alpha 82 game guy. They don't. They have guys like Jimmy's. I think we know by now he's a 16 game player. And, you know, I'll, I'll never forget Rowan in, in the middle of that cell in game six. Uh, shout out to Chef Trilly. He tweeted out, I'm never I'm never giving Jimmy shit for a bad February game again. And I'm there like he can't. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. can't put the cape on. Every night, Bam's 
you know, I think he's becoming more of the scorer that we want. Not really, I don't think instinctually like that for him. And and they need all these guys. You know, they need Gabe, they need Max, they need Duncan, they need um, Caleb, all these other players to kind of give them a lift, right? And I think some of that's on, on them as well. Like I think it's Jimmy, Kyle, and Bam's job and Tyler to make those guys better. But if they're not giving you that, I don't really know what you can do. Yeah, I mean, just look at Struess's shots that he took in that Pacers game. I think he finished 3 of 12, something like that. But, again, he's not going to shoot 8 of 12 from 3 every night. But those are looks he was hitting last year, plain and simple. His catch and um, shoot numbers went from great to, like, okay. And then the rest of them are really bad. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. It's tough, and I love Struess. I mean, look at what Struess did in that playoff run starting. <laughs> There's so much we can talk about, Johnny. Like, we don't get to talk about the Heat enough. But, like, one of, like, the under-talked-about things is I think the hero injury in the playoffs last year bailed out Spo a little bit because, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know? There was going to be some tough decisions to make. There was going to be – and but that's not the guy we've seen from Struess this year, and it, it's just baffling. It, it doesn't – it doesn't make any sense. And I know, you know, I get texts from my brother. Or I, I hear them talking about on the Levitard show is the heat are the heat arrogant because they're, they're counting on undrafted players. And to me, it's like at this point, it doesn't matter drafted or undrafted. Look at what they've done in the league. Like there's no way to predict Struess is going to fall off shooting like this. Even if he was not as good as last year when he was really good on really high volume, the, the drop-offs we've seen from guys like him and Duncan, 
There's just no way to account for that. It's it's so I, and I I tweeted like everybody's catch and shoot numbers and everyone's like yeah. raw and they were all bad and I and I said how on earth could you see this coming? Because you probably think if you're Riley and, and and Andy, you're like, well, there's nothing out in the in the market that we love. If we if, and my thing has been if they swing on a guy and they're wrong, they're really cap stuck, right? Like if they yeah. swing on marketing and he's not this and they're stuck with marketing and Duncan, they're fucked. So I understand them being cautious and they're like, well, let's see what's available at the deadline. You know, these guys are good. Maybe they won't have career years again, but, you know, maybe they'll be good enough and we'll get to like, you know, five or four or something. And then at the deadline, if Bogdanovich is sick with marketing, though, huh? No, I do. I know. Yeah, he's great. But like, I think in the offseason, I mean, a you don't know that he's going to be that. Right. Of course. course. If you're wrong, now you're stuck with him. And well, the real the real issue they face, and this is something I want to get out there because I don't think it's talked about enough, but. This is where Mickey's reluctance, whether it's the repeater tax or the tax in general, this is where it hurts them because they're only they only have 14 guys on the roster that's here. Why? They don't want to dip into the tax. They don't match Philly's offer for PJ Tucker. Why? They need to stay under that was right, this though. apron to the, the three years, man. Uh, the three years is tough, but if you're a championship team, I mean, I, I think you do it. Um I think it's two years, and I think he's an expiring in that last year. But the thing is, it's like if you're willing to pay the tax, it doesn't matter. But they're not, so they have to they have to come up with all these creative accounting decisions that Andy rightfully gets credit for. I mean, they they are skilled at it, but you don't need to be skilled at it if you just want to pay. I mean, you know, and it's like if they do trade for Markin and somehow Duncan's still on the team and Duncan is not playing, it doesn't matter as long as your owner's willing to spend. And I don't think Mickey has certainly done a bad job. I don't think he's a bad owner as obviously the out, the positives far outweigh the negatives, but it is a knock. What's that? That it is a knock. Yeah, it is. And it, it just is obviously not every team's going to be the warriors. I mean, we've even seen the Lakers make tax decisions and they're the freaking Lakers, but it, it, it these, when we get into these discussions about contracts and what they can or can't do. And to me, there's no such thing as a bad contract for an owner willing to spend like the warriors. They can give Jordan Poole the max. It doesn't matter to them. Um, Whereas the heat have to make all these creative accounting decisions and that, and we're seeing the result of that now when they don't have a 15th guy and the team lacks depth. I've, I've been number one on the let you down stick around for as long as possible train. But when, when the accounting gets in the way, you you have to. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be this much of an issue for them to go sign a fifteenth player. We asked Brian, how could they sign a fifteenth player and get it under the tax? And he kind of outlined it, but it's a bunch of shit that like they can't cut Highsmith. They need him, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, he didn't play, but like they they need that. You know what I mean? And they don't they don't have a if Deadman and Bam are down, they don't have a center. It's Jimmy. <laughs> Yo, I, by the way, I thought Orlando Robinson, he showed me something in that Wizards game. I, I like him. Orlando Robinson. I like, I I like Michael Potter more. I don't know mm. why they didn't keep – I was a Michael Potter guy. They, I mean, this whole, like, dance that they're doing with poor Drew Smith and poor Orlando Robinson is, like – it's comical. <laughs> I, I, Look, who – it's uh, – what did they He's, tell them? Like, yo, you know, stay yeah. by the phone, you know, baby, I'll call you, you know. Yeah, <laughs> 
it's uh it's wild it's but i like robinson i mean highsmith i know i guess alf has it out for him i thought highsmith was showing me something in that celtics game and i'm kind of shocked to see him now back outside the rotation their offense Um, stinks so much with him though yeah there's no he's like joel anthony except he can catch the ball which is a big step I love Joel. He, Joel's a lifer. He, he hit a couple above the break threes, and in that first Boston game, um, he was really hooping. And I know I, I got Alf made fun of me for saying that, but I, I, I think Highsmith could. He's got a better shot than Justice Winslow, you know. You watch your mouth, okay? You know where you are. I love Justice. You know where you Justice are. Justice is speaking of Justice. I take him so hard right it, now. Killing it in Portland, man. I'm so killing happy for him. Portland. Me Such too. It's a great situation. And the injuries were I, I really one of the hottest takes I ever had was I was convinced Justice could be the second best guy on a championship team. Like when we were getting those point guard minutes from him oh. and it felt like it was clicking that yeah. first game and against the Clippers, and I was like, This, this is it. And unfortunately Remember that Laker game that he had? Yes. Oh man. He was just so fun. Do you so remember fun, so. it felt like Dwayne that he was gonna be like the torchbearer of culture? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I know he loved Dwayne, and oh man, I'm so sad. I loved him so much. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Uh, Ro, here are some offensive numbers on the Heat this year because you know I, I I went digging because I thought Jimmy's comment was a little funny. Mm-hmm. Heat are eighth here, eighth in defensive rating. We talked about twenty seventh in offensive rating. Miami has the twenty fourth worst three point percentage, while being eighth in attempts. So they're bad. And they were number one in three point percentage last year. So huge drop off. They're eighteenth in effective field goal percentage at the rim, while twenty sixth in attempts. So they are barely getting there, and they stink when they do. 21st in free throw attempts, and that's pretty much all Jimmy, most of it. And when he doesn't play, that number goes to the poop. And they're 23rd in offensive rebound. They're literally bad at everything on offense. And it's concerning. It's And that, you know, Tiff asked uh, uh, Siobhan and I last night, what's the one thing, barring a, a personnel decision, that you would want them to fix? And the only thing, I'm like, if they can shoot, not to bang the dead horse, but if they can shoot, just like if everybody could shoot three percentage points better, I think they start winning a ton of games. Not that they're this great juggernaut that they were last year, but you know, like Nikias made a joke, they're like an Alex Len away from being a pretty surefire playoff team just because they drown in bamless minutes. Mm-hmm. It's not, they're closer than people think. I think they're for sure closer to being a championship team than being like a Wembayama sweepstakes team. Like pretty easily. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. So I'll say this. Struess 
this year shooting more than ever before, 8.2 attempts a game. Last year he was 41% on six and a half threes a game. This year, 34% on eight, 8.2 attempts, which frankly seems better than what we've seen. But yeah, I mean, if you get Struess to 36% even, you know? That helps so much. That, that makes a huge difference for them. Um, if Gabe gets to like 35. Yeah, Gabe and Gabe, the thing is, it's like the team, it feels like their shooters hit the tough shots. Like I think Gabe, it feels like he misses all his catch and shoot threes, but then will hit the random step back, pull up three, late shot clock one. And you're like, what? I mean, even Caleb Martin, he's shooting, you mentioned 42.4%. Did anyone think his catch-and-shoot three that he got from Bam was going in at the no. end of that Spurs game? And even the mid-range ones that he takes, those little turnarounds, I'm like, they look so, they look a little rough, but they go in. Yeah, he's got this line drive shot. I mean, Jimmy's got their third best percentage from three, which really just says it all. I mean, If Deadman qualified, at, he might have the first. Yeah, God, Duncan's at 30.8%. Vincent's at 29%. That one's shocking, 29.7%. That one, I'll give him the benefit of the knee injury. The knee, absolutely. Yeah. You have to think he's been hurt. Hero is creeping up in percentage. He had a rough game um, against Indy, at least three-point shooting-wise. So, you know, Lowry's at 35. I don't think you can expect much more from him, but they need Struess. They need Duncan. Um, if those guys aren't hitting, and I know Duncan is basically out of the rotation at this point, so... I just don't know who slow trusts on the bench. Depot's going to get a lot of looks. I don't know if he's going to be. Have you liked him so far? Enough. I, I've liked what I've seen, like in the limited. Yeah, and it, it's tough. I, I, you know, I got into it. Not got into it. I mean, some colleagues and I joked like, was he actually effective in that Boston series? And I think he was necessary in that game seven. He was a huge plus, um, for them. You just. I just don't know that they're playing the right lineups. Wait, what's I'm the sure argument against him being? I mean, that they needed every. Just that, right. I think that teams are still kind of sagging off on him and daring him to shoot, and I don't think he's making them pay. That is pretty quite critical enough. to their defense. Yes, for sure. I just I don't know that, and I'm sure Spo is trying to figure it out, and I, I certainly don't have the answer right now. But I'm just not sure they've unlocked the right combinations yet for this team. Um. I, you know, the depot hero minutes. I like the idea of hero playing more with the bench. The only issue is like, they both kind of need the ball in their hands um, to be their best. So th I just, th there's, there's something to be said about the combos they're playing too. And I think that th that leaves a little bit to be desired as well. I like the move as well. I, what I don't like are like, I think Bam needs to play more with hero. And I think yes. you let Jimmy play more with the smaller units because I think they can survive a little bit more on both ends with Jimmy because he could play a little bigger. I think like Jimmy plus Kyle plus like Jimmy plus Kyle plus Deadman. I think they can survive those. And you give you give Bam to to Hero who's been developing really nice pick and roll synergy. Well, nope. I tweeted this at you. It's like I don't know why they don't have two of them on the floor at all times. It's, it's wild. I I don't I don't understand. The other thing that's weird, Ron, is. And this is the last thing on offense, and we're going to pivot to Bam for the last couple of minutes. They, like yesterday, they just didn't seem committed to getting Bam as a screen and roller. Mm -hmm. And and they were doing this thing where, like, Hero get the ball, and, like, the big would screen for a pin down, but then that that guard is coming off a guard screen. So, you know, Indiana was just switching the the, the deepest screen. And I'm like, what what? that's what they want. Like, why are you doing that? And then... And then at that point you have like 10 on the clock and then hero gets another guard handoff 
And I'm like, why are we not using the big man? Like get a, I understand not wanting to get miles Turner in the play, but get him in a drop. Like what else, you know, what- Yeah, they, they've made some weird decisions about when to go away from the pick and roll. And then again, I'm not the first person to point this out, but the lack of, it's not even that Jimmy and Bam have a lack of pick and roll chemistry because we saw Jimmy turn into like a pick and roll destroyer in the playoffs um, running the empty side pick and rolls with Bam, you know, it it unlocked Bam as a roller in some of those games. And it was like, okay, they, you know, they ran one yesterday. And I think it was kind of like a, it wasn't a set pick and roll. It just kind of ended up happening. But a, Bam sets the screen for Jimmy on the left side of the floor. Jimmy is, is in the lane. Bam has his man sealed. He is a wide open lane to the hoop. And Jimmy, who is like always looking to pass, seemingly never looking to shoot, just misses him entirely. And it's it just like stuff like that is is baffling. And again, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I vibes are off, Rohan. Vibes are yeah, off. Yeah, like like Spo has seen this. Spo, if I can identify this in real time, Spo has seen it in the film. So just stuff like that, I'm I don't understand why they're unable to capitalize on, on things like that. I think Jimmy as a roller has been not as good as it has last year and I you could see like he'll screen for Kyle and and the you know, pass goes the wrong place and, and he's yeah. just not ready to, like there was a play yesterday where uh Jimmy you know Kyle expected Jimmy to slip and he just threw a, a, a you mm-hmm. know the, the play just kind of waft the yeah. pass and it was like what and these guys are like buddies <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's right dude yeah. you guys you know like what's what's going on like Ultimate vibes yeah, are stuff off. Stuff like that is just it's it it's baffling. It's really baffling. Bam's been good though. Bam has been the real bright spot of this season. And thankfully, bro, you were in the national media to to cover this and you wrote a fantastic piece for SI. Um you thank you for this, by the way. It's it's just you and that one guy on the ringer, Dan Divine. You guys are the <laughs> only ones about the culture. Shout out to Divine, by the way, man. Divine's a legend. Listen, I wanted to. I didn't want to see the tweets this year from local outlets. Oh, the national media doesn't cover the Miami Heat. They still blah don't. blah blah. I didn't want to see it. I didn't want to see it. Um, talked about them on a podcast. My buddy Chris Herring's written about them. I did the Bam story. Bam is incredible. Um, I got to tell him how much the block on Jason Tatum meant to me, um, which was a highlight of my career. Um, I. You've spoken to Dwayne Wade, sir. I, and I, and it, it was still and he's on nickname basis with you. <laughs> here's here's just what I want to say about Bam, and it's because you know obviously I see the criticism. You could not ask for someone to represent the Heat better than Bam. You really could not. And that was just my takeaway: is the adoration Spo has for him. Spo was like, "I hope you get this one right." Not a lot of people do. He said that to me. Um. And I just think it, it goes to show, like, this guy wants to win so badly. I wish people could have seen the look in Spo's eyes when he said what it what it's like to find someone who cares about winning as much as Bam. And, I, you know, I saw some people be like, oh, they clashed and Bam wants to score more and Spo held him back. That's not it. It's like Bam is just so desperate to win that he's like, if I need to score more, that's what I'll do. You know, just... And I think Spose no recognizes that like in UD too, Udonis was, you know, talking about Bam. It's just like they need him to do everything. This they what they do, we've talked about it. They're on a razor's edge. They can't play offense. You know, they they can't switch as well as they used to because some of the guys are playing on defense. 
it all falls apart. We've seen it in the bench lineups. It all falls apart in a second without Bam. And it, it was just, you could tell that the organization knows how important he is to any chance they have at success because he is just covering up for so many deficiencies they have and he's lifting up the team in so many ways. And that was just a, it was remarkable to, to have people from the team telling me that because obviously we see it every night, but I don't think people always appreciate it. One quote really stood out to me that you kind of referenced and it, it also, it stood out for a couple of reasons. One, it's what you're saying, Spo's adoration for Bam. Two, it's Spo slowly morphing into old Riley, the language mm-hmm. that he uses. The quote is, when you're dealing with somebody who is so desperate to win like Bam, you can figure out all the little nuances to how he can impact the game. The hard part, the harder part is finding someone who really cares about winning. Close your eyes. That's a fucking Pat Riley quote. Yeah, yeah. It, Spo is great, man. He keeps being like that. He always likes to say that's the language we use here. And it obviously, you know, it comes from Pat. And it, that's that's it. It's like Spo hit the nail on the head. It's like people look at how many points did he score? How many shots did he take? Bam, more than anyone, would love to score 25 a night. But I think that what him and Spo collaborate on is how do we maximize it so I'm affecting as many areas of the game as possible while also – making sure that I'm doing the things that are required of stars in this league. And that's an incredibly difficult balance to find. Maybe they don't get it right on every night. I mean, he, he also told me, he's like, he's like, you guys want me to shoot when Jimmy's going off for 47? He's like, obviously I'm going to pass him the ball. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, you want, think about that Spurs game when, um, you know, Jimmy doesn't touch the ball in the last three minutes and you're like, or the last three possessions at least. And you're like, what the hell? Why doesn't Jimmy Butler have the ball? You, you guys wanted Bam to hijack offensive possessions when Jimmy's, you know, having the game that he has. When he told me that he's like, but but it takes a maturity to recognize that as well. And in ways, I think he's become underappreciated. And I think it, it, it would be bleak very quickly if um, you know Bam was not doing all the Bam things. I think you can tell when you know the people in this business who know about the game on a level that I think a lot of us can even they, they've forgotten more about the game than we'll ever know. They're the ones that really kind of sing Bam's praises. And I think that's all you need to know. I mean, what he does on both ends of the floor from a possession to and it's like it's an impact that you feel because sometimes guys are like really good and you're just like like I think PJ was a guy that maybe we didn't quite understand his value. Bam, mm-hmm. there's no question, right? Like these are things, yeah. these are tangible things that you feel and that you see and, and how he'll guard fucking five players in a single possession because he's, you know, that kind of guy. But Also, to anyone who says, why is UD on the team? Bam, straight from Bam, who said, it's in- insane the impact UD can have on winning without stepping on the floor. I mean, they still play one-on-one. Like, Udonis and Bam are still <laughs> playing one-on-one. He's crazy, dude. Yeah, and it's like, you know... It- Bro, I think um, they could I, use some UD minutes. It does. It hasn't looked as bad as it could. Yeah. Dude, I thought he has had some good minutes this year. And I'll also say, Bam, I think some people say the best game of his career, that game three in Boston. Remember, Jimmy misses the second half. Bam, I yeah. think, is 31-10. and 10. I That game does not happen if Udonis Haslam does not talk to Bam out of bio um, before that game. That, that, that game happens because UD pissed Bam off so much that Bam went out and had one of the best games of his career. Bro, that was a top five 
I'm shitting my pants game I've ever watched. <laughs> that was that. that you want to talk about a rock fight? That, that was once. Once like Jimmy Butler did not start the second half. Just the oh my god, what a what an experience that series was. I was in a bar in Chicago. I I was just gone. I they were all pro Boston for some reason, <laughs> and uh, maybe they were, they were just all mad at Jimmy. And uh, it was it was one of the scare. That ah, man, that series was so fun. I want another crack at them. You know, they're they're two. They're one and one against the Bucks and the Celtics. Who the Heat? Like in playoff series. Oh yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, like, okay, I thought you were talking about during the season. No, no. Like there's a there's a you know, and I think a lot of people don't think as the Heat as like one of their conference rivals. I think they probably look at them and and the Nets more, but they're right there, man. And hopefully they can make a couple moves uh, to. I will say that the, the, there's something the Heat have, and it's they just seem to make it annoying enough for the Bucks and Celtics. Can they make it as annoying this year? I'm not totally sure, but they have a history of it, certainly. They, you know, the regular, and, and we'll get out with this, the regular season game that they had, do you remember in 2020, 2021, they had a, a, a home and home or two home games against the Bucks. First game, Bucks absolutely destroy them. Second game, Jimmy doesn't play. And Dragic goes off, and they they like blow the Bucks out by like thirty, right? And I remember talking. Well, I to think people, Milwaukee missed a bunch of people that year. That no, 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 no. Well. It wasn't. It wasn't. No, it was. It was the. It was the season that they stunk. It was the one where they were the six seed. Giannis played, and and Middleton. I that was not. I know the game you're talking about. It's not. It wasn't last year's home opener. It was the. It was. The, oh right, right, right. It okay, was the yeah. year that they were bad. Not that they were bad, but the, it was it was a year after the finals appearance. Right, right. Okay. And they get destroyed by Milwaukee. Then they come back and they have like a pride win. And I remember talking uh-huh. to somebody close to the organization. They're like, "That's a pride win. Like mm-hmm. that that they, even if they're not any good, they were gonna go. They were not gonna lose that game. And I felt similar yeah. to kind of the the Boston game. Like they're like, we're not gonna lose twice. Like it doesn't yeah. matter if we're right. not that good. We're just not walking out of here without making it their fucking living nightmare. And that's kind of the makeup of this group. And hopefully kind of, we can see that come to fruition, bro. Where can people find your story? Uh, do you have anything that you're working on now? And, uh, what we, you know, what's, what's going on as we, as we, uh, you know, just usual happenings around the NBA. <laughs> I actually, I do have a story coming out this week about a conference rival, but I think people will like it. It's, I, I feel like this person's likable even to people who aren't fans of this team. So please keep an eye out for that. People can follow me on Twitter at Rohan Nodkerney. Um, at si.com um, where you'll find my work, Chris Herring, my dude, uh, Howard Beck, Chris Mannix, and a bunch of other people. Shout out to Jeremy Wu. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you guys as always for having me on, giving me the platform. Uh, my BAM story, you know, just search my name and BAM. And I hope if you haven't read that, you get a chance to read it because I think there's some fun stuff in there for Heat fans. It's exceptional, guys. Please, Ro is one of, I, I think Ro is the best kind of basketball profiler, uh, long form writer in the game right now. So he's going to say no, and I'm going to say yes. So, you know, please check out his work. It's phenomenal. And the, the, I know the, the work that he puts in personally is is second to none of somebody who genuinely cares about this city and cares about this team, this organization and understands the fans in a way that I don't think many journalists do. So please check out his work and everything that he's doing over there. Um, so any love to everybody. And we'll be back on tomorrow pregame for heat thunder. Uh, you know, Shy comes into town, or I think they're on the road. Actually, we'll, we'll we'll go into Oklahoma City, and we have Hangover time tomorrow night. Uh, following the game, we have a couple surprises. 
Maybe some fun videos that you guys might not expect. So check out Hangover Time Post Game Show. Alf, uh, Brass, and the crew getting you down for that. And uh, we'll see you tomorrow for pregame.